this is going to be an interactive webinar focused on maintaining high quality client relations with the goal of avoiding what they call churn in the sales industry. You may have heard the word churn in relation to newspapers where they're constantly getting new clients. It's been researched, and I think most of us know this, that how you treat your clients is key to maintaining long-term relationships and increasing positive word-of-mouth advertising. So I want to, of course, encourage you to ask questions at any time, and um, but try to keep your phone muted if possible so that you don't uh, hear each other's background noise. So benefits of clients that love you. And this is sort of a Valentine's Day theme if you haven't caught on yet. <laughs> Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. So what we've discovered is if you love your clients, they'll love you back. So there's many, many benefits to when you can maintain a, a strong relationship with the same clients over time. And we'll talk about some of those. So one of the first benefits that comes to mind is saving money. Because you'll need to spend less money to advertise and market for new clientele if you're maintaining your existing clients. So would you agree with me that it's less expensive to maintain clients than to go out and acquire new clients? I hope so. There's going to be less stress because you know who your clients are, you've done that needs assessment so you know what their needs are. Your employees tend to be happier and you can imagine they're not constantly getting to know new clients, setting up new files, which sometimes can be cumbersome in that getting to know you stage. And so there's um, less of a loss of morale because when you have a high turnover of clients, it sort of takes its toll emotionally on your staff. It's also been proven that loyal customers are more profitable. So therein, therein of itself is a wonderful benefit. You'll earn more word of mouth referrals because these are gonna be clients that you're attending to their needs, their needs are being satisfied, and they're gonna be the ones that will actually bring you new clients. So now I'd like to open it up to people to say what other benefits have you experienced when you have maintained the same clients year after year? Anybody like to respond to that? Hi, this is Israel. Hi, Israel. Uh, there's a lot of different things that uh, result of uh, keeping a client and keeping them happy and being responsive to their training needs. Um, one, uh, it, it, it turns into opportunities uh, that I've seen at our college where some of these companies uh, join us on uh, philanthropic projects. They also donate to our foundation. They donate equipment or supplies. They also get involved with our advisory uh, committees as well. Uh, and, and then... Um, it allows us to beta test curriculum uh, at their facility um, we let, uh, and try uh, or improve our curriculum by delivering training. Uh, for example, in GD&T, Geometric Dimension Intolerancing, we've been delivering that kind of training to manufacturing companies 
And um, we've delivered to very advanced audiences with advanced degrees and PhDs that it stretches our faculty and they have to learn. And then subsequently it benefits our classroom because we've improved our curriculum. So those are some of the additional benefits that we've have found. Thank you, Israel. Those are great. Those are fantastic ones. And I think those are things that all of us should be striving for when you think about your contract ed unit. This Anybody is um, else? This is Bill Elliott with Kern Community College. Um, Bill. What we find is that the employers also then um, will talk to other people and other companies, and we get referrals um, for other companies that say, hey, I heard you did a great job for X company. Can you come and do some training for us? So the word of mouth really helps too. Wonderful, thank you. And this is Deborah. I agree with everything that's been said. A couple of things, Deborah Jones from Peralta Community College District. Um, one is we've been able to iterate on what we're currently training those folks. They're, they're willing to come back to us and say, can you do this as well? And, and that's been, Wonderful. The other thing is we found that it's been a pipeline for students into our traditional colleges and enrollments are always critical. Um, but having been successful in the contract ed world with um, hybrid college programs brings them right in. Fabulous. Fabulous. I've got to note that um, those of us who attended the Contract Training Institute uh, late last year at College of the Canyons, this was hosted by LEARN, and they really emphasized that as a contract training professional, you should know the cost of generating a new client. What is that advertising? What does it cost to obtain leads? And which ones of those end up being a contract? And those costs become a statistic that you should know for your business. I just want to make a quick note about that. Any other benefits? Okay. So from that Contract Training Institute, I just wanted to share a quote out of the training manual that LEARN, who I think a lot of us have realized just have excellent, excellent information and work across the United States with not only contract training in, uh, institutions, but also continuing education groups. They're saying, if you have done good work in helping a client succeed, you will be able to attract repeat business. Leveraging these already landed clients saves you time and money. It's mission critical to retain existing clients for as long as you can. So I like to think of those past clients as pure gold. They return your phone calls. Their evaluations say they like you. They pay their bills on time. Imagine that. <laughs> they even sometimes call you for help and save you the effort of cold calling. So the idea is if you treat them like the gold mine they are, you'll see your program grow with very little sales effort. Not that you don't have to continue selling. LEARN also goes on to say that the higher your repeat rate, the higher the total value of your clients is calculated over time. So they're saying that the value of an individual contract with a client is not as important a number as their total dollar contribution to your program 
over time. Those are the benefits. I want to talk about now, and, and again, would love your ideas. How do you get there? How is it that you're going to keep these clients happy? And I'll share with you, these are some things I think that are very common, and they should be commonly done in your offices, but it's a good idea just to sort of reflect on them again. How many of you have received a handwritten card that just says hello or just acknowledges that the, the relationship you have is appreciated? And are you doing those with your clients? It's an idea. It's a small thing to do. Responding promptly to all phone calls and emails. And I could imagine some of you are getting 100 emails a day. It's not an easy thing to do. But imagine it's your client's most pressing matter, and when you don't respond for 24, 48 hours, 72 hours, this is something that could be sticking in their mind. So promptly responding. If you have a tracking system or a software package that allows you to put in birthdays, company anniversaries, um, special occasions when they introduce a new product, other things that might be happening special for their company, how do you acknowledge those things? Finding an article that is specific to their company and or industry and write a short note to send with the article. So you're almost setting yourself up to be the subject matter expert for their industry, if you will, or that you care enough about them to just share it. It's not that you're possibly going to get a training out of sending that article. It's just you're deepening your relationship and showing them that they are important to you. As you're doing these things, you're not doing it in a pushy manner. You're not doing it necessarily because you're going to get a dollar for every time you send a card or make a phone call. It's more that you're communicating that you're there to help them and make them feel like they are your top priority. Other ways is to be genuine and authentic when you thank them. And I wanted to just sort of take a little straw poll here. How many of you have a client or a customer appreciation day? Um, this is Israel. Um, we don't necessarily have what I would call a client and customer appreciation day. However, we invited a lot of our industry partners that we deliver training to up to the Monarch Beach Resort in Dana Point, which is very nice. Uh, we provide a very nice meal and atmosphere. And uh, we opened it up more for uh, a business focus group so we can get input on what industry needs from us, the college, in terms of a trained workforce or training, uh, what areas they want to see our program strengthened in. But it was done in a way that would uh, certainly fall into category of a client and customer appreciation day because we fed them very well. They were at a very nice resort. And they all walked away very pleased. Wonderful. And who, who bore the cost of that? Uh, was it the college or a specific department? No, the beauty of it was that uh, all of it was donated by the hotel, which is one of our clients that we delivered training to. Wow. Okay, Israel, that's fantastic. Because when you can save your budget for many other causes, I'm sure that are important, that's even better. Well, thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Uh, 
I was thinking, Deborah or Bill, have you held a customer appreciation day or something similar to what Israel has done? This is Deborah. We we did, and it's um, a, a wonderful thing. It's also a wonderful time for our clients to network with each other. Good. And do you have it once a year? You know, we did it. Uh, we didn't do one this last year. We're we're due for one this coming year. So every other year right now. And and about how many people do you have uh, attended? About fifty. Fifty. Wonderful. And then do you do a presentation? We we do point? presentations. We had our three um, D lab make trophies for our folks, so they had something to take back with them. We had people stand up and share. We we ahead of time um, we had them prepare to share, and then we also put together a really nice booklet of the projects that we had done with different employers, and then some of the data that we had gathered. Fantastic. That's a great idea, Deborah. Thank you. How about you, Bill? Do you um, do a appreciation day like that? I'm not sure if it's a appreciation. It's more of a lunch and learn. Come on in, learn about new trainings we have. Um, we invite all the existing clients and new clients. So I don't know if it's really um, an appreciation luncheon. It's just to learn and. We have tri-tip and, and feed them a lunch. Wow. Yes. I know Annette Limon at Mount San Antonio College does those also on a regular basis. And she'll have one of her subject matter experts or trainers come in to sort of spotlight a, an up-and-coming training that they're doing. And that gets a lot of word of mouth generated. So she uses it as a, as a sales tool. Yep. So great, great ideas. Thank you for sharing, Bill and Deborah and Israel. So other ways you can acknowledge in small ways is to be always listening. You know, it's, we, we were given two eyes and two ears for a reason, I'd say, and one mouth. And sometimes we just need to sit back and listen and be able to use that information to either create new services or to let your clients know when those new services are going to be available for them. And I love the idea of becoming their customer. Um, if you know, like for instance, up in the North State, we have Clean Canteen, which is a water bottle, uh, sort of a thermos type manufacturer. So when um, the contracted people go, they, they have their Clean Canteen in tow. So if Clean Canteen sees they're using their, their product, or maybe you buy those that product as a gift for your gift bags or something like that. We have a lot of food manufacturers up in the North State and the same type of thing where we'll buy the food product, make sure we share those as the snack items or in the luncheon that we might be serving. Margaret? Yes. This is Dave. Um, I wanted to give Bill credit for another thing that, that he does that he didn't take credit for is he will refer clients to each other. So he's a lead generation source for our clients as well, which is, a, uh, a, I think, a really good way of, of proving that you're a, a business partner with them. Uh, and it definitely yes. helps make them loyal. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And, and it, it is that, that what Bill is doing, you're developing a partnership. I think, Dave, you hit the nail on the head. You're developing a partnership. This is going to be a long-term partnership. It's not, 
you know, a client only, what can I get out of you? Let me get some money and be on and out the door. It's a long-term partnership. It may not be fruitful that first few months or even maybe that first year, it may not be fruitful. But when they know you're in there for the long haul and you're referring clients to them and you're doing everything you can to make them successful as you would with any good partner, that's when I think you will see the dividends. Another item on, on here is a way to acknowledge in small ways is just to be a good communicator. Keep your clients and customers informed what is new in your business. And that could be email blasts, um, newsletters, when you're doing those lunch and learns, lots of different ways to do that. And then I've got here walk the talk. So when you're calling your customers on a regular basis, again, not in a pushy way, but you're letting them know that just to say hi, assessing their needs, maybe asking them, you know, we had that training last month, what results are you seeing? You're always gathering data to know that you're on the right track. And I say walk the talk by anticipating your client's needs. So when new trainings become available that you know is gonna fit the bill for a very specific client, you're sharing that with them and you're looking for ways to do that as well. Showing respect and building trust. Well, how many of you have said, yes, I'm gonna get you that report when I get back to my office. You get back, you've got 100 emails, you've got lots of phone calls to return, and you forget to send that report. So there are ways to build trust by following through on all your to-do items. So I asked a few of our colleagues just to share how do they show their clients love since we're on our Valentine's Day theme. And Bruce with the Government Training Academy shared that he shows up when I don't have to and do what is not expected. For instance, he goes into the classroom early and sets up and asks the trainer, basically, or maybe in front of the people that are taking the course, asks, how are things going? And then he also goes on to say, ask what I can do for them. Not more paid work for me, but anything. It might be a new hire referral. It might be an in-house course that Bruce may not be getting paid for, but he has the resources to share with the company to help support them. It could be as simple as empathy for a current situation that they're facing. And then that last bullet is again all about trust and respect in my mind is always deliver the materials when he can. It's a great time to check in with those who make things work but are not always appreciated. And then Eldon Davidson from El Camino College shared that he responds immediately when they call and request him to request information on courses. And he does his very best, and I know he does this on a consistent basis, because I see how he treats all of, all of our statewide colleagues, that he treats them as they, if they are the highest priority, and provide them with an excellent product, and then follow through to ensure that is the case. So these are ideas from our own colleagues here in the state. Okay, how many of you are going, ah, look at that puppy. <laughs> so I, I uh, 
I have a heart for Bashan uh, dogs. I have one myself, and I just had to throw this in because it was so cute and fuzzy. And it made me think about how we handle the customer complaints that are inevitable in the business that we're in. And I know most of you will say it's how you're handled and treated that really makes the difference in either nurturing a relationship or breaking a relationship. So I hope you'll remember the Bichon puppy. And this is some suggestions on how to handle complaints that will inevitably come. So number one is to listen to what the customer is telling you without interruption. Don't become defensive or angry. And that means really watching your tone of voice and the words that you use. Ask questions to get additional details if necessary. Show the customer that you care. And then resolve the problem as quickly as possible. And I love this last point is to thank the customer for bringing the problem to your attention. Because most likely, they're not the only ones experiencing the issue. And now you have a little bit of glimpse into maybe what others are experiencing. So anybody else have something else that they do in handling complaints that, that have helped them nurture relationships instead of damaging them? Well, I think you hit all the points. Um, this is Israel. Uh, listen, don't become defensive, but really um, take action steps right away to resolve uh, bullet number five. We, uh, short story, we were delivering um, to a client. This is the first training we we're going to deliver and uh, GD&T to an engineering company. And the very first day of the training, I get a, call from their quality control director saying that the trainer is uh, not adequate, that is not enough knowledgeable to address the engineer's concerns and questions. Um, so then I immediately said, let's reschedule. I'll get another trainer that's the best in the state. And I did. And we knocked it out of the park. And since then, we've had forged a really good partnership. Fabulous. And, and if they hadn't said anything to you, would you have known that about the trainer? Uh, I would have not, but uh, I always ask for feedback from all of our uh, clients on how the training went. And we, I, I take that feedback so we can always constantly improve continuous improvement. But, um, yeah, without feedback from the client, you, you don't know. And so you have to get feedback always. Yes, yes. Thank you, Israel. Anybody else, any other tips on handling complaints? Well, I don't know if it's a tip, but I'm dealing with an issue right now where uh, my trainer went up and did some training, and the director of training um, um, said something that wasn't truthful about what went on, and we have actually know what was said. And so now I'm dealing with that issue that a guy who's in charge of training has lied about my instructor, and I am very defensive for our instructors because, you know, don't tell me a falsehood when I know it's not um, false. So I'm having to walk a very um, tightrope right now with the manager of the 
this is a very large company. And so mm -hmm. that's a difficult situation when, because he wanted to bring his own people he's been brought in before in to do some training for him. So he then came to us and said, okay, now I want to submit some rosters for ETP from this other trainer. And I said, no, that wasn't the agreement. That wasn't in the contract. If we can provide the training, um, then that's who we use. And so he got really upset. And so I'm dealing with that issue. Yeah, yeah. Good good luck with that, Bill, because um, it, it's, again, the words and the tone of voice that you use to um, make sure you're in, in, encouraging a good relationship. I don't, and the reality is there's some people that are just going to be difficult and maybe wait for a new director of training to come in. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't get mad at the clients. I sit here and take a squeezy ball and squeeze it till it breaks. But, you know, you Good don't get mad. Yeah. Right, right. Good for you. Yeah. Patience is a virtue, huh? Yes. <laughs> All righty. Well, there's your Bichon Freeze puppy today. So moving on. This is a customer service checklist. Um, I have a lot of business books in my library. I've, I've been in the business world for many, many years, and so I've collected a lot of books. And I grabbed this one. I thought it was a simple list. And again, this is what I'm sure most of you are already doing, but it's a good reflection time to just say, is there something else or I could be having our staff do as well. So when you think of a customer service checklist, there's about 16 items on this list. The first is, is your selling strategy oriented towards satisfying each customer? That's a question to ask internally with yourself and your staff. Do you establish long-term relationships rather than just make a sale? And I think we've been talking about the importance of looking at the long-term versus the just quick turnover and what the differences and the benefits are for your unit if you establish long-term relationships. Are you doing that needs analysis? Are you asking the customer what their needs are? For those of you who aren't aware, we have a needs assessment toolkit on our contract ed doing what matters website. If you haven't taken a look at it, I would encourage you to um, go online and, and start to read it. There's some excellent information in there. We talked about having two ears and two eyes, so always being a good listener. And then when you think about communication, most of you either teaching communication classes now or have hopefully taken some yourself, and the idea of verbal and nonverbal messages, because nonverbal can be as much as 55%, if not more, of what people are communicating. So you know the roles of the eyes, you know the body language, um, how their body posture is. That's going to tell you a lot about what they feel about what you're saying. Number six, do you show the customers the benefits of buying your products or services? And what comes to mind for me is when you're doing those evaluations of individuals who have taken the classes, could you be maybe pulling some of that evaluation material to share with future clients to say, let me tell you when participants took this class last time, these were the benefits that they reaped after taking the class, or this is what the client, past clients have um, experienced with their employees who have taken these specific classes in the past. 
whether it's increased productivity, higher quality, higher morale, reduction in cost, and you know what the biggies are with your clients, what the benefits they're looking for. And number seven, I think you would not be successful if you were always trying to sell something that wasn't correct for the customer. So I've got that in there because it's on the list, but I would be surprised if any of our contract ed practitioners are doing this because it will come back to bite you. And then after the sale is made, how many of you pick up the phone two weeks later, four weeks later, or have a staff person do that follow-up phone call to see that the customer's pleased with the results of when the individuals went through the training? Something to build into, I would say it's part of the sales process. It's the follow-through that we were talking about. Number nine, do you provide personal service? And are you available to answer any questions that customers may have? We talked about handling complaints quickly and courteously. And then be the problem solver. Be the person who's thinking outside of the box, being creative to help your clients solve the issues and the problems that they might be facing. Do you try to give customers something extra for their money? Maybe that's those articles I was talking about earlier. Maybe it's like Bill does, referring the clients to other clients. And then number 14, I don't think you would last long in this business if you didn't genuinely care about your customers. Because this is not the easy road that you all are on doing contract ed, and you've got to have a passion for it, I'd say. And then number 15, when you think of bringing a new staff person on board and you're onboarding them, maybe you're lucky enough to have a desk manual for that job description or for that job person, are you instructing your employees to treat all customers in a courteous and efficient manner? It should be the culture, the environment in which you operate your business. So I'm going to read this to you. It's kind of small print. I had to actually blow it up for myself. When you think of customer service excellence, almost everyone can spot poor customer service. A service giver may fail to make eye contact, say little or nothing when taking payment or deal with you in a perfunctory fashion. The service giver may also roll their eyes, ignore you, or communicate in an unhelpful or even rude manner. Although we all have our service war stories at a personal level, we are all service givers ourselves in our work lives. As such, we need to think very carefully about the negative impact of poor customer service when we talk to our suppliers and customers, whether they are internal or external. At a minimum, we should avoid being perfunctory or rude and start to think about how customer service, which goes the extra mile, makes us feel, and do this more often for the people to whom we offer service. And I say customer service, it's not a department, it's a passion. This is what we should be living and breathing as we work through our daily lives. 
So that is, that's sort of the end of our webinar. I have some uh, contract education updates to share with you, but I want to open up now for questions uh, or any other comments about maybe how you create a customer service environment in your individual workplaces or any other things you'd like to share with the group today. Any other ideas? This is Carol Kuhn. Um, what I'd like to add, I don't think I saw on there or was mentioned, but one of the things that is so important, I think, is to write a handwritten note after the training. Um, because we don't do that enough, handwritten notes. Um, you know, we email, and um, everybody's used to emailing now, not even getting on the phone as much. But I think a handwritten note to um, our instructors as well as our uh, customer is really appreciated, and they don't forget you. I love that idea. I love that idea. And it's not an expensive thing to do if you, you know, you don't have to be really flowery and spend 10 minutes writing the note. It's really just a, I appreciate you. Thank you for our partnership and thank you for doing the work you do in our community. It could be as simple as that. Thank you, Carol. Anybody else? Uh, this is Israel. No, I think uh, I want to echo what was just said. Um, I have not sent out a personal thank you card, um, but I think it's a good idea um, to do. Um, so I think that's something that I'll, as a takeaway, uh, I'll start to adopt that as a, a, a practice. And, and I'll add this to the idea, everybody, and I'm old-fashioned, so excuse me. Having a first-rate stamp in your drawer, and you put a first-rate stamp on there instead of sending it through the college mail with the, you know, the Indicia stamp, honestly makes a difference. And it's okay to handwrite their name and address on the outside of the envelope. I open those things much faster than I open the, you know, computer-generated labeled thing with the Indicia. And I can tell you if you go to TJ Maxx, if you go to Office Max or Home Depot, or not, sorry, Home Depot, Office Depot, they have, a, they have beautiful, inexpensive sets of cards. And just start off with a box of 20 and make them personal. It's, it's something I, I really, really encourage people to do. I think it sets you apart from the others. So anything else before I move on to our um, updates? Okay. We have a full, full, full agenda over the next few months, and I'm excited to share this news with you. The marketing toolkit, you may know, is already finalized, and that's been uploaded um, onto our website. That marketing toolkit includes a competitive analysis. If you haven't done one recently, it might be a good thing to do for your unit. Um, the CE TAP, I'm really proud of this for all of our statewide group. We've been asked to present at the all-hands meeting at the chancellor's office February 25th. They're giving us 15 minutes up on the main stage 
to talk about how contract education supports the key field talent. And I'll be spotlighting a couple of projects that have occurred across the state recently. Our next webinar is going to be March. And back in October of 2017, we had an ETP nuts and bolts workshop that was hosted at Butte College. So I've asked Eldon Davidson if he would to host this webinar. Uh, again, it's, it might be for more of the new people, but hopefully we'll have some things in there also for the more mature people that are already very involved in ETP contracts. Then uh, CCC AOE reached out to contract education and asked them to do a couple of workshops at their spring conference. And Jonathan Bissell from San Mateo and John Milburn from College of the Canyon are going to co-present at that. And again, that's really exciting. I feel like contract ed is starting to really get some of the recognition that not the chancellor's office only, but across the state for what we do in our individual communities to, to support not only the vision for success, but to support our communities across the, the whole spectrum. April 8th, we'll have our another webinar, and this is uh, going to feature Claire Laughlin, who's a trainer out of, I think, Cabrillo College. And she's, gonna, she's got a great uh, program that she teaches, and it's talking about how your trainers can be your invisible sales force. So I hope that you'll join us for that webinar. And if you have not yet registered our um, summit this year, is going to be held at Chafee Intech Center in Fontana, May 16th and 17th. And our theme is Racing to Success. And we're having a lot of fun putting that together for you. It'll be uh, good speakers, very interactive, Great opportunity to network with your uh, colleagues across the state. Any questions on those updates? Okay. So you've got my phone number, my email, and Faith Riley is always, always available and fantastic to work with. So both of us are here to to be at your beck and call, basically, whatever technical assistance we can provide. We, we love our jobs and we're passionate about uh, helping you to be successful. And with that, that's the end of our webinar today. Great, thank you very much. Thank you so much, great participation and happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. We, I, I love having everybody chime in today. It was a great one. Thanks, Margaret. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.